0: Hey, welcome to Decaf, uh, our weekly podcast from the Beacon Center. I see Mark is drinking a Red Bull. You know, one time Mark drank a Red Bull right after I started working at Beacon, and then we took the elevator from our 18th floor to the first floor. And his hands, Mark, do you remember you were pacing around the elevator saying, I don't know what to do with my hands? Because you'd had like two Red Bulls that morning. That
1: wasn't two Red Bulls. That was probably like three cups of coffee and like three Red Bulls. I do remember that, but I had a lot more than just that was way more than my normal. I mean, super not healthy, but yes, I do remember that day. was a wild day and i could not i had so much energy and then i crashed at like 2 p.m
0: yeah you scared me that day i thought your heart was gonna like actually beat out of your chest much like mine I, did during the I first half of the game really the other so. night what I you, don't oh yeah a heart, you don't
1: thank have a heart thank you. That's, that's true, true. So we're good yeah okay yeah tell us the alabama game
0: yeah my heart was beating out of my chest when they were kind of going neck and neck with us at the beginning and then we blew them out of the water which was great for me because I got on DraftKings for the first time and I bet on sports for the first time ever. And got on DraftKings because we interviewed their president and he was really great. And I was like, I'll I'll patronize this brand. And so um got on there, I actually won $127, which was great because I only put $21 in. And it was funny because I bet that Alabama would win by 15, even though what was the spread? What was the the
1: spread was the spread was nine. So basically you okay. get one of the alternate spreads
0: yes i bet that we would win by more than 15 and one of my friends who got me into this texted me and said let me see what you bet on so i sent him a screenshot of my bets and he said only an alabama fan would bet on 15 or more and guess who's guess who's buying lunch next week? I I won it. So but as somebody not an
1: Alabama fan, I took him to win by more than 17 and a half. So he is not correct. I, I also took him to win by more than that because um I, I I the more I thought about it, I thought it was gonna be close. And then you saw Alabama go down that first drive. And then Ohio State answered like, oh, maybe it's the game. And then from that point on, it was over. And I mean, you can say what you want about there's a lot of argument whether of course we are about Cincinnati that maybe deserved to be in the playoff, but there's a lot of argument about who should have been there. Um But anybody who's saying that Notre Dame didn't belong because of the performance, like should say Ohio State certainly didn't belong then. And Ohio State beat Clemson. So it's like this was just one of those years that Alabama was head and shoulders above everyone. It wouldn't have mattered who you put in there. It was going to be. And and I mean, maybe I was talking to my friend, maybe the best receiver ever in the history of college football, like Devontae Smith. I mean, I, I just can't. Maybe Calvin Johnson, who was just incredible. And maybe Julio, but I think he's better than Julio. It's like. He is the the time. I think he's the best college football receiver I've ever seen.
0: And he has the sweetest attitude, the sweetest little persona. He's, he's a really good kid. Um, and you know, after the game Saban got emotional, I got emotional just watching this team of seniors. And after everything they've been through, and you can say that about all the college football teams this year just everything that they've been through. And I'm so glad that the seniors on all of these teams got to play. It was, it was a really great thing to see.
1: Also, he won MVP and only played half the game. I mean, he was for the second half and he still put up such good numbers. He won MVP and there is something that's interesting. I mean, we'll, we'll move on after this, but anybody who was a senior this year can come back next year. They didn't mm-hmm. know. So like if there's somebody, especially if you're not going to get drafted, um, and maybe not that, that won't apply to Alabama because they won. I feel like if I was a, a senior, right. I, I went out on top, I don't want to come back for this, right? <laughs> but everybody, every single player has the ability to come back next year, which will be cool. and. I think you'll see some players um, who are really good, maybe not quite, but that, that you might have a team like Cincinnati be even better next year because they have a bunch of fifth year seniors or sixth year seniors coming back. So uh, a lot of times that that actually might help some of the smaller schools.
0: I also thought it was interesting ESPN came out with their way too early top 25 and they put Clemson at number one. I'm like, are you kidding me? Clemson got, they, did, they didn't just lose, they got beat by the team that got beat by us.
1: But that's next year. That's assuming a lot of things. They have the number one recruiting class. And like Alabama, you just say like they Alabama is losing pretty much everybody. I know. And, and Clemson, even though they're going to lose their their quarterback, is going to be the number one overall in the draft. They have a great backup who's like the number one overall recruit who, who, against their Notre Dame, threw for 500 yards when, when Lawrence was out I mean, they lost. But like, they have some players. I get it. And you have to remember, there's way too early top 25. It's only based on who you think is leaving and who you If Devontae Smith came back, then Alabama moves back. Number <laughs> one. So it's literally just. One of those things, like one recruit, one guy stays, like that will all change. So I, I get it that into recruiting class is great and almost all their skill players are underclassmen.
0: I think I'm just bitter, so we can move on. It, it doesn't
1: matter. Um, I, I mean, it's, it, it only matters who's number one at the end of the year, not at the beginning not relevant so
0: I agree with that I was talking to a friend at church on Sunday we were just like talking crap to each other and he's an Ohio State grad and I'm an Alabama grad and he said that he started following me on Twitter and then all of a sudden all these Alabama things started popping up on his feed and he was like why are there Alabama things on my Twitter feed and then he realized that it was because of me retweeting it because the only thing that I do on Twitter (laughs) now I've basically unfollowed all political things and I really just follow or at least I've muted them if I've not unfollowed them but I really just follow for Alabama Alabama football because Twitter is a cesspool I'm sorry like I, I know that's a hot take but my mom had me delete her account she gave me her password told me to log in and delete it because anything she would want to see she can see on Instagram or on Fox News and she I mean she had me delete her Twitter account and I'm I'm about three seconds away from that too if it wasn't for you know Barstool Sports and Clay Travis
1: also your your job that's going to be important <laughs>
0: Right, also my job. Partially tweet, so. Yeah, I can tweet from Beacon, still delete mine. But the only reason I still have my personal Twitter account really is because of Barstool and Clay Travis. I mean, it's truly a cesspool. And now, with you know, Fox News popped up this big thing the other day about all the things that Trump is banned from. He's been banned from everything, from Twitter to Spotify. Like, what's he gonna do on Spotify? Like. It's just such a bizarre, I think what is is really tripping me up in my head is that if one one, one company banned him, then all the rest of them felt like they could, it's just, it's so weird.
1: So whether you agree with Trump banning, or Twitter banning Trump or not, which I think we both do not agree with, um, yeah. The idea that he's banned from Spotify and from all these things like that is so irrelevant and like all they're trying to do is either A virtue signal or B get in the press and say oh we banned Trump, I mean h- how is how is him listening to music relevant or like. like all, half these things that did it, it's like you can't even ban him, he can make up his own email address tomorrow and Spotify would have no idea <laughs> like like it's so stupid. That know. They even ban him. um and then it's a broader discussion about which we'll go to this now like should they have banned him from Twitter. Should they be right. allowed to legally? And I think those are maybe different questions.
0: Those are two different questions, yeah, I think. I mean, different. I think
1: that we are first. I mean, I kind of yeah. have an argument with my dad. But I think we're first on the same page that um, they should not have banned it. That that's kind of seems insane. I get it if you yeah. post these tweets that you don't like. I, I get the fact check. I even get saying you have to delete this because it's against our terms of, of, of standards um deleting him is insane i mean this guy was the president of the united states he's not some crazy i mean he might, but he's not some whack job conspiracy theorist who has 80 followers who tweets about aliens coming to murder us or, or and, and I know. they said he went against their terms of service i have a hard time seeing how he and i i disagree I with a lot of things he did with his whole thing but it doesn't seem like he incited a riot and and yeah. the whole reason they banned him, they said that he um he said the election was rigged by saying he wasn't gonna to go to the inauguration. Like it was because he tweeted, I'm not gonna the inauguration that, that they thought that he said the election was invalid. I don't agree with almost anything he said about the election to be honest.
0: But- Yeah, I know you don't.
1: It matter. You should not ban him. I think it's insane that they banned him. And, and like, and it's bad. I mean, their, their stock has gone down and Facebook the same thing. And this is why we have a free market and that's why there's gonna be competition. There's gonna be nice things to come and, and get them. I think the conversation about the legal issues because my dad said this is what happened in communist countries, but in socialist countries. Like, like I agree with that, but it is not the government doing this. It is a private company doing it? And I think the issue is if you feel like they need regulation or you think it's it's illegal, then that means you think it's a monopoly. If you think it's a monopoly, that's one thing. But if it's not a monopoly, then it's I think it's bad policy and it makes them look dumb. But it shouldn't be illegal.
0: Well, it's, it's really bad policy. And it makes them look really stupid, and it begs the question of who's next. Na- you know, if you don't, if you know, apparently all of these employees that work for Twitter went to Jack Dorsey with a, a signed letter saying we're going to quit if you don't ban this person. So because a handful of employees go to CEO and say we're going to quit if you don't ban this person, but then there's millions of followers who follow this person. You know, it's it it really is a numbers game of what's more valuable to you, and obviously the employees and the internal. Um, thoughts about Trump were more important than their stock. Like you said, Mark, their stock is plummeting. My mom had me delete her Twitter. I'm really close to deleting mine and just using beacons to, to keep up with the news because it's just not worth it at this point. And I don't know if I want to support. I don't know if I can. I'll say it this way. I downloaded Parler, not because I'm using it, but because I wanted to show support analytics wise of saying like, there's nothing wrong with this app. Like just because people use it badly doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it and with the leadership of it, I think. Um, I would delete Twitter for the same reason, saying that I don't support, I don't wanna show my support. I'm a big believer in the market and with patronizing companies that I really agree with. I and I think that works digitally and tangibly like physical goods, too, and I'm at the point where I'm like, I kind of just want to delete Twitter just for the numbers, just to have more, you know, one more number plummet. And I know one's not big, but that's how the market works. This is it's an absolute uh, it, it should scare us, it should scare us that a private company would assume so much power that we've put so much power in this private company that we've said that Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and all of these virtual these digital platforms are so important that it's causing an uprising when they ban someone, it should scare us how much weight we have put in them, and how much power they're throwing around with the weight that we've put in them.
1: And I think that to me, at least with Twitter, the biggest issue is the uneven enforcement of their terms of service um so i think you could have a real argument that trump did actually not break their term to service um i think that you could say that he maybe spread misinformation but that's not the same thing as inciting a riot and right. at the same time they're letting the the communist party of china have a twitter account they're letting ayatollah Khomeini have a, have a twitter account i mean you have some of the people who encourage violence during the the riots of uh, of the summer so like it, it's not even if you say okay we're just enforcing in terms of service and we're enforcing equally and president trump break broke that you're like okay well fine and at least you're enforcing even but they're not enforcing this evenly and, and you have to have the discussion about what should we do about it should we as kind of people who really believe in free speech say well this is really unfortunate i think twitter and facebook are wrong for this um i think this is awful but we believe in <laughs> we believe in their abilities of private company to do that or should we say we need the government to get involved, which is kind of something you're gonna talk about next with ASC, but does the government need to get involved and do that? And I think that at least my point of view is that it is a private company. I disagree with them strongly. And if there's a monopoly, I think that's that's just something that's above my head knowing if it's a monopoly or not. It seems like on the on the front, it's not. But of course, when you talk about the end they kick parlor off of all these apps and stuff. And that's a, I don't use parlor because of it's awful technologically, not because of anything. It's just really hard to even look at. Um, But that doesn't seem right. And then you and then by for all intents and purposes, they can't exist anymore. I mean, they kind of can. They're going to come up with a new platform. But because everyone who runs things kick them off, it's hard for them to operate. So it's just a it's a hard situation legally. I don't know. I think libertarians and conservatives have I've seen a lot of arguments on both sides of whether they should do something or not.
0: I think that kicking Parler off of all the platforms should scare us a lot i think um i I just pulled up my twitter and i retweeted something the other day that said government quote private companies can do what they want private companies quote can we open government quote no and it and it just it it begs it begs to question like if if private companies truly are private companies and can operate how they want then why why aren't we opening during the pandemic why is there such a double standard during all of this and to go back to the parlor thing of them banning um parlor from from the app stores you know someone who i i don't follow this person on twitter i just saw it pop up on my timeline they tweeted something about how we're being you know people in general are being prohibited from meeting in person during the pandemic by the government now these private app stores, Apple and Google and Amazon and whatever are banning conservatives, so to speak, from meeting online by banning Parler and deleting them off Twitter and removing them from Facebook and things like that. And so where does it stop? Where where does, where does this stop? I think it should really scare us that these, these companies are flexing so much power to remove people that they simply don't agree with. Like that's not, that's not what we're about.
1: It's also the first time I've seen liberals give the business any rights to say like, "Oh, you, you're right. You can do what you want." I, I didn't hear that when you had to bake a cake. I didn't hear that when, or when you're baking the cake thing. I didn't hear that when um, regulations or or businesses opening and things like that. But now they apparently care about <laughs> about the freedom of association, the idea that businesses can do what they want, um, which is insane because I've never heard them say that before. So it is just interesting to see the different takes on this, and it's and it, it's like I, I think I can admit that I'm not smart enough um overall understand exactly what the answer is i know that it really scares me and it concerns me i think it's a really bad step for these companies but i don't necessarily think the government should get involved and and, and i'm just kind of i don't know i hate it from a personal perspective but i think from a kind of free market perspective it is a private company and, and they've all banded together to do this And like i have a huge issue with that but i don't know that there's an, a government answer i don't think that's usually the way to fix it i think the way to fix it is hopefully people on the right can go and make their own platforms and actually compete and, and these other companies that have banned them; they will lose stock value. I mean, people should leave them if they have an issue with it. You know.
0: Yeah, I think that that's that's a really great segue into something that I wanted to talk about is what is the government's role in policing things like this? I think a lot of people see things whether you're on the left or the right. You know, ideologically, the people on the right should be Reaganites in saying that the scariest words in the English language are "I'm from the government and I'm here to help." Like, we should ideologically say the government shouldn't get involved in things like this. But I think a lot of times we see something happen and we think the most immediate consequence from it will come from the government, which maybe it will, maybe it won't. I you know, ideologically say, keep the government out of it. And that's one of the things that I I saw when I was scrolling Twitter this morning was um, AOC had suggested, she brought up, she mentioned, that maybe congress should form some type of commission on media integrity to try to rein in the media after all the misinformation around the riots and you know on at face value you're like huh well as as a conservative this this was my thought process i thought huh well if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time you know that i tend to hate the media not state media more national media i love our state media but more national media i like kind of don't like them don't trust them and so it's like hmm, someone should hold them accountable and then you start really thinking down that road of what that would look like which is it's it's all a slippery slope just like this twitter banning stuff it's all a slippery slope does that mean state-run media Do we become North Korea, China of having only things that are state sanctioned on our TVs? Does that mean that everything has to go through the government and the only news that can go out is what the party in power agrees with? What does it mean? And so that's why I think that media for our entire lifetimes has been a government watchdog and not a government entity because of that reason, because they should be, Separate from that and shouldn't have to be sanctioned by media, shouldn't have to be sanctioned by the government. That's my soapbox. That's my thought process. Mark, what do you have to add to that?
1: Well, I I agree with you. I think that both sides need to think of the further issue and not just right this instance. So I think that. For all the people on the right who are calling for government to get involved—like, do you want? I mean, ultimately, that's kind of what I is saying like, do you want the government to eventually run that? Because I think when you're saying we need the government to get involved, you're saying we want more government involvement. And that's not—it might be good for now if you get Trump back on Twitter or something. That's how you feel. But like, think about the long-term effects of that. And then the opposite way: all the liberals cheering Trumping on Twitter. It's like, guess what happens when I don't know Jack Dorsey gets sick of Bernie Sanders and talking about why they're they're um, corrupt and why Twitter needs to be broken up or something. When he gets banned then, what are all the people on the left going to say, it's like, oh, well, we were good when Trump was banned, but it's not okay that Bernie Sanders is banned. So you have to think about what it means more than just in this instant and what it means long term. I think that I put something on Facebook, but it reminds me of when all the liberals cheered uh, Harry Reid getting rid of the filibuster rule. And then if you go about six years later, you see the Trump nominated three Supreme Court justices because they took that a little bit farther. So that's exactly what's gonna happen to liberals again. I think I think everyone cheering this in five or six years when they see somebody they like getting thrown off without any real explanation. I mean, mm-hmm. need to actually really violate the terms of service. People can do what they want. And I think that the people cheering that will see, oh man, I mean, they're not gonna be smart enough. They never figure out that they were wrong that many years I know. ago. I mean, even in the, in the whole Supreme Court justice, very few people even talked about Harry Reid. But that's what's gonna happen. And I think they're gonna look back and say, oh God, this was, if they were smart, they look back and say, we did this because we cheered on this private company banning the, the president for, I mean, not no reason, but barely any reason that, that's probably not even against their terms of service, while other people who did way worse things stayed on. So yeah. it's a it's a slippery slope, I think, for both sides. So everyone needs to kind of think about what they're lobbying for, what that means long-term.
0: I know, I think it's interesting. We were doing strategic planning. Um, with our staff about a year ago. And we were coming up with like possible things that could happen. And I said state-run media. And everyone was like, that would never happen. This is America. And now here I sit in front of the computer, like not believing my eyes that it was even suggested by a congressperson who has a very loud mouthpiece that there should be a filter for media by Congress. Who knows if it's going to happen? I hope it doesn't. But the fact that it was even suggested, is mildly alarming and something that we just have to consider. You know, consistency of ideology is not fun. I'll be the first to say it's not fun to have a knee jerk reaction and then have to reel yourself back in because of your ideology. I don't know if you struggle with that, Mark, but I do all the time. I have a knee jerk reaction to something, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, "That's not fundamentally what I believe." I'm yeah. just pissed off, and so I think that that's that's kind of where we are right now is needing to have a check on the consistency of our ideology as opposed to responding to inflammatory content
1: um also just 98 percent of AOC, what aoc says is just flat out garbage anyway right. like she's not the mainstream like she just says the craziest things anyway so like i don't really take what she says but i think that your point is the most important thing i think the fact that you realize that it is really important because i think so many people say i don't like this they're like oh yeah i'm against corporate welfare oh you're gonna help my business um okay well then i i like it in this in this scenario it's like everybody like they look at what's happening in front of them and say you know what this is even though i i don't like this so i think the government should get involved instead of thinking through like oh this might be bad but it doesn't mean i think the government should get involved i think that right. people, yeah i mean i i don't think the government should get involved because they ban they, they stop selling mcrib but like that's kind of what people can say like oh they're not selling what i want anymore they got, like people want they want they feel like they've been like unfairly treated or somebody's been unfairly treated. you, your initial mind is like, oh, I hope they fix this. Cause like, I want Twitter to pay for this. You know, I, I want them to get in trouble. I don't want them to be able to do this. I think it's such bad policy. I think it's, but I don't, even though I don't like Jack Dorsey, I don't like anything he stands for. I don't like what he did. You need to take a step back and say, well, does that mean I think the government should ban them or rate yeah. them to the, to the point of no return? And the answer is no, but I think that's a really important point you made that we all need to step back and think about what do we believe generally i, I believe in freedom of speech. when somebody's like burning the american flag i don't like it and, and i'm like oh i hope but, like like it, part is like you wish they got punished and you're like no that's that's the right to do i don't like it but i don't think the government should step in
0: right i totally agree let's circle back to what you said on corporate welfare and how we fundamentally disagree with that and i've had so many arguments with people where they're like but but it brought amazon but it brought alliance burning but it but it but it and it's so Oh, annoying drives me absolutely insane. But there's so many things. And and this is a really good example of this, the the little first drop of oh, it, it brought Amazon, but then the slippery slope of it does so many more things that we disagree with. Ron in our office wrote a blog post the other day about how at the end of every year. We, Tennessee um, gets a report of all the corporate welfare money that's spent and then after that they actually do the math like later and find out almost every year that there's more money that was spent in corporate welfare and it's just so alarming and it's like a real time real life example of the government's slippery slope and how everything isn't always how it seems on the front.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, it's a really, really kind of shocking. Even somebody who who works on corporate welfare a lot, like seeing those numbers, kind of shocked me. Of this time where a lot of businesses have been shut down, not by the state government, but by local governments, and you know, tax revenue is going to get way down this year. And yet, uh, we we ended up spending over two hundred million dollars on corporate welfare last year, and we have
0: mm-hmm.
1: over one hundred and seventy six million this year already. But and it's going to go up. That's what he said. Like they don't always they don't update the numbers of the following year. But the most concerning part is that, well, there's two concerning parts. One is there's $800 million of credits out there that they've been awarded, but companies haven't actually claimed them yet. So like, even though our budget might look better, there's $800 million that's not accounted for. That's a lot of money, 800 million. I mean, that that is insane.
0: That's a a whole lot of money. And then, you know, of the, Ron's blog said that 176 million was claimed, only less than 6,000 jobs were created for $176 million.
1: Corporate welfare is like, it's like the biggest Ponzi scheme. I feel like, I mean, like we are, everyone being played by this and, and people on the right, a lot of them don't seem to understand it. Uh, Of course, I get the idea that it brings, I mean, 600 jobs and that's insane. These are terrible deals. And, and you put, when you talk about corporate welfare deals or, um, advocates would call it tax incentive deals. When you look at the ones that work, Compared to the ones that don't, everyone will be like, we have to bring out this example of like, oh look, Amazon brought all these jobs. One, they may have brought the jobs anyway. They're, like even like research shows that people don't really go places because of these corporate welfare deals. I think five percent of people actually relocate because of these. So they may have come here anyway. And it's great to point out the great deals because I mean there is going to be deals that work out. I mean just statistically, there's going to be good deals that are good for taxpayers. The other 94, 95 percent, nobody mentions. They don't mention Hemlock Semiconductor, which never even opened up and cost us like 100 million dollars. Like those are the deals, or ones that open up. Like, oh yeah, we spent uh, 400 million dollars for to create 30 jobs. Like those are the ones people don't bring up. So even though you can bring up these these examples that work you fail to you just neglect to mention the ones that don't and it's it's awful and even part of what ron said is like you don't even know where this money went you don't know to what companies this money went they're not specific in this report and it's just no. a real problem i feel like we finally have momentum on our side on this so i think even i think a lot of conservatives are saying like they might not agree with us completely that it should never be done but they're like we give out way too many of those and there's way too like our Rules are not stringent enough, and we make sure we, we're getting money back or we're getting the jobs that are promised. So I think that people are really starting to come on to our side on this, and this kind of thing by by um, Ron, which Fox covered yesterday, is shows that even more people. The more you read about it, the more and more you dislike. It. That's what I find.
0: I, I totally agree with that. I, I mean, I typically feel that way about a lot of things. The more I learn about them, the less I like them. People, things, whatever. That's kind <laughs> of like my go-to. Um, but especially corporate welfare or really anything the government does, but especially corporate welfare, um, the more you know, the more just disgusting you feel. All of the money that's ours that should be spent on, you know, we we freak out and, and our Metro Council members will say, well, our roads are bad. Well, this is bad. Well, there's not gonna be firefighters. Or there's not gonna be teachers. We need to raise taxes. And it's like, look in the mirror before you try to take more of our money. Look in the mirror and see what you're spending. And all I can hope for is, No more of this pandemic nonsense of let's raise your taxes so that we can fund our programs and reel it in and realize that everyone's hurting. And you need to look at look at yourself and look at your budget before you try to tax us more I could really get on the soapbox about this, but it absolutely made me irate when I saw all of the money that was spent and all of the money that's outstanding and the fact that we're still paying taxes like are you kidding me why are we paying taxes when this is the situation
1: I want to add one more thing i think is super important it's not really related to nashville but my friend who's a i mean, I, I guess a socialist or very far left was talking about how all the bad things capitalism has done for and how awful it is for america and i noticed and I, and, I, and I called him out and said well no i mean it's capitalism the greatest force of our century and i asked him what he specifically didn't like about capitalism he named four things and none of them were actually capitalism it was all government involvement in the market and corporate welfare is one of those right he's like oh well all the big business uh, handouts and all the um all The tax breaks for the, the wealthy and well known, it's like, hey, that's not capitalism, that's exactly the point. So, if you're arguing about capitalism, argue about th- this is government involvement that's what corporate welfare is it's government involvement. And when you talk about big business and the government being fed together, they are, and this is how they do it. So, it, it is something that you should think about that if you're truly all of the arguments from the far left about why capitalism is bad, for the most part, is. Things that are not capitalism it's government involvement in the system so if you can say you know what i don't agree with that either and that's not capitalism so what are you fighting against you're not fighting against capitalism you're fighting against i mean you say cronyism capitalism. nobody knows what that means but yeah you're ta- you're fighting against essentially socialism for the rich so i think yes. as people we need to be consistent and say we're not for this your points are right but it's not capitalism because we can't defend capitalism or free markets while still espousing this idea that corporate welfare is a good thing i don't think
0: yeah I, I totally agree with you i think i think that's a that's a big mic drop moment don't blame something on capitalism it's definitely not capitalism um last thing i want to hit because this has been a long podcast but toby keith just got the national medal of arts from um and ricky skaggs also from president trump so mark if you had a national medal of arts who would you give it to you can you can have a couple but
1: also i think phil and basketball should split i think those are the two greatest the greatest country singer of our generation and the greatest rock band, rock, pop, whatever you want to call them, I think those two deserve. They have done more for me in my life than anybody else. And I feel like they've done more for the nation. And people just, the other thing is people, a lot of people haven't heard of them. So I feel like we need to get them out there. Everyone knows Toby Keith, this is a great way to get Fastball and Phil Vassar, reintroduced to society.
0: I would give mine to Reese Witherspoon. She would get one of mine. I love oh, yeah, her so love much. Her. I love her. And I would also give one to Britney Spears. She. um Really influenced my life. I love Britney Spears. I actually broke my foot dancing to hit me baby one more time. Um, and and so I've really, I'm really given blood, sweat and tears from a girl Brett, Brett. Um, <laughs> So so yeah, mine would go to, a uh, mine would go to more worthy recipients than yours.
1: And what i'm going to stay with phil vassar phil me and you against taylor I, I think that's the the best tag team of all time
0: yeesh maybe he'll come on over caffeinated and y'all can roast me. i know i know phil
1: it. okay well i want to do one more hour phil we have reached out to your people they said they would come on you would come on over caffeinated and we just haven't been able to book you yet so i need you to like we'll tweet at you and hopefully you will agree and you'll come on and you'll be one of our next guests but we do have a super special guest um coming up in uh, about a week, a week and a half is Scotty Kilmer, who's like, he's got like 4 million YouTube followers and he's a great do it yourself type guy. Uh, he works on cars and he just moved to Tennessee. I mean, 4 million YouTube followers is insane. So we're really excited. I'm, I'm coming up with questions now, but we're very excited for that. And then hopefully we have Phil Vassar in October. Phil, answer this. We need you. We need you on Overcaffeinated.
0: Phil, you can trash me for my terrible taste in music on, on Amen. Overcaffeinated. Amen, I can promise you, you that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us and we'll uh, we'll see you next week.